We're going to jump in uh, this afternoon and look at Genesis chapter 3. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and start reading as you can see the scripture up on the screen, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat, from, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband and was with, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Bet you didn't think you were going to get that on Christmas Eve, right? <laughs> Other churches talk about us, you know. Why, why, when, why would I read this? Why would we start our Christmas Eve service in Genesis 3? This has nothing to do with shepherds or wise men or mangers or Kevin McAllister or Buddy the Elf or anything that makes us feel warm and fuzzy on the inside during this Christmas season, right? Why would we do that? Because contrary to popular belief, the Christmas story does not begin in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It begins right here in Genesis 3. This is the beginning of the Christmas story. All right, this is where it all happens. Why does it happen here? Because man messed up. Man messed up. There was sin that occurred in the garden. They had one job to do, right? One job. Just don't eat from the tree. Eve even says, no, he's given us all these other trees, plural, right? But then we just can't eat from this one tree, right? Just this one. And the deceiver, Satan, comes in and says, oh, no, you can't. And what I really think is so, if there's humor in this, in this story, it's like the devil didn't really have to try very hard. You know, it's, it's one lie. They're like, oh, really? Okay. And I'm like, not, no, 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 I'm not allowed. No, you can't. No, I'm not really not allowed. No, you can't. No, I'm really not allowed. No, you can't. Oh, okay, now I will. It's not like four or five times. It's just one. And right there, right off the bat, they mess up. And they screw everything up. And in this moment, where the first sin is committed, the Christmas story begins. Right here, because God has a plan. Right in that moment, when everything's messed up, all of it goes out the window, God has a plan. And I, you know, it's, from my perspective, when, when I'm, working on a sermon and I've just gotten started or if I'm attempting to write a song or if I'm even just at home with my daughters and I'm, you know, starting to draw with them because they love to do that. 
and I'm just getting started on any of those things and, and I mess up or I don't like where it's headed, my response is to just crumble it up and throw it away. And I'm going to start again. I don't really like this. I don't like this point that I'm making here at the very beginning or this opening joke, or whatever it might be. I'm just going to throw it away. I don't, I don't like the notes that I'm writing here. This melody doesn't work. I'm going to throw it away. I don't like how I've colored outside the lines or do whatever this. I'm a terrible artist. I'm just going to throw this away. And so here is God in Genesis 3, the third chapter of the Bible. And he's created these two people, right? And listen, they're not just the, the first two people. They're the only people that are living on earth right now. The only ones. And right off the bat, they mess it up. But God's reaction is different than mine would have been. He doesn't just crumple it up and throw it away and say, you know what, I'm just going to make an Adam 2.0 and an Eve 2.0. We're going to do this all over again. <laughs> right? And maybe I need to be a little more clear about which tree not to eat from. Right? Maybe I'll put like a, a, a fence around it or whatever it might be. I'm, I'm, I just, maybe it's me. I need to try harder to communicate, don't eat from this tree. So I'm just going to crumple it up and I'm going I'm to keep everything else, the mountains, the seas, the sky, the stars, all that stuff's good, but I'm going to just bring in a new Adam and a new Eve. He doesn't do that. Instead, his reaction is, I'm going to save them, right? Because even though they messed everything up, even though they sinned, even though they disobeyed him completely and blatantly, they never stopped being his creation. He never stopped loving them. And so there was never an option of let me just crumple this up and throw it away and start again. It was, I love them, so I need to save them. And so I'm going to start the Christmas story right now. And did you catch it? At the very end, in verse 15, when he's going through the whole thing with Adam and he says it's Eve's fault and Eve says it's the serpent's fault and, then, and God starts talking to the serpent and says this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And then there's a there's this semicolon in the sentence. And then it says, he will crush your head, and you will nip at his heel. Jesus is, God is talking about Jesus in this moment. He introduces Jesus as the solution to the mess. He introduces Jesus as the savior to this situation. He says, this is how I'm going to fix this. I have a plan, and it's going to be me giving up my son to be born on the earth and to live a perfect life and to die on the cross for you. The song we sang earlier, Come and See. Only to, uh, he's, he's born only to die. Only, that was the purpose of his birth, was to die. So that we could be saved. And so we fast forward through all of the Old Testament. All those hundreds of years. And the silence between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. And then we stumble upon Luke chapter 2. Then we get to this plan that is now coming to fruition. The story that God talked about in Genesis 3 is now happening in Luke chapter 2. But it started then, it's happening now. And it says this in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. That's Jesus. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Listen, y'all. It, it, it is an amazing story to talk about the how of Jesus' birth. It is profound. It is deep. It tells of God's character. How an angel visited Mary. 
how Joseph was talked about it in a dream, right? How angels made the announcement of Jesus' birth to shepherds out in the field, how wise men came traveling all the way from afar, bringing these kingly gifts to this baby, right? All of the dynamics of the story of how this all happened are incredible, but they pale in comparison to the why it happened. Why did this happen? Because we needed a savior. And God said, I know the solution. It's my son. The why is what this is about. The why is why we gather. The why is why we worship and we celebrate. The how is the bonus, but the why is the heart. Why did God do it? Because he loves us. And when we mess up, he is not crumpling us up and throwing us away. He's saying, I'm going to save you. And I have saved you. And I love you. And I sent my son for you. You have never stopped being my creation. I have never stopped loving you. I think it's remarkable. You know, the Bible says that through Jesus, every, everything was created in and through him, right? In and through Jesus, everything was created. And here we see him entering earth as a baby. When God created Adam, he created him as a man. But when he sent Jesus, he sent him as a baby. Jesus could have just come wandering out of like, you know, the woods one day, you know. Here comes Jesus, parts unknown, like the undertaker, right? This is what everyone, like, here I am, right? Where did this guy come from? I don't know, but he's, he's, there he is, right? That was an option. But he sent him as a baby. Because there's nothing more vulnerable than a baby. It's so profound to me that everything was created in and through Jesus. And when Jesus was born, as the creator, he's a baby now dependent on his own creation to change his diapers, to feed him, to clothe him, to provide shelter, clothing, all those things. It is beyond humbling for the king of heaven to come down as a baby. I, there's no words that I can use to articulate the magnitude of that humility that it must take for Jesus to have done this, to be a baby. But that's what he did. And it's because he wanted to be able to truthfully say to each and every one of us that he lived a life where he could relate to everything that we're going through. He can relate to being a baby. He can relate to adolescence. He can relate to having siblings. He can relate to rejection and loneliness. All of those things, grief, sorrow, loss, all of it. He lived a life to save us and to relate to us so that in our darkest moment, in our lowest moment, we can call to him and he can say, I'm here for you. I know what you're going through. And I paid the price for you. I am not about to crumble you up and throw you away. No, I died for you. So that we could be reconciled. So that we could have a relationship. I left heaven to be in the most vulnerable of states. To save you. That is our Christmas story. And the why again is because he loves you. As soon as man sinned. God had a plan, and it was never, it was never for us to be our own Savior. It was never for us to be our own Savior. Y'all know that um, 
song, We Are the World. I'm going all over the place tonight. <laughs> if, you, if you're like, well, if you don't know it, you're young and whatever. Uh, but <laughs> thank you. Uh, but it was a song that if you were a recording artist worth anything at the time, you had to be uh, on the track. And as we are the world, we are the children, we are the ones who make a brighter day, so let's start giving. And um, Bob Dylan was one of the artists that, that was on that song. And after it was released, I don't know if they were performing or what happened, but the media was asking him about it. And he made the comment that he didn't like singing this song. He's like, I don't, li- I don't like singing this song. I'm like, well, why not? It's a, it's a good song. You know, it's doing good. It's raising money, all that stuff. And he says, I don't like it because we can't save ourselves. Man cannot save ourselves. And I don't like singing that we can. And it's true. And that is a hard truth for us to grasp because we want to be able to save ourselves. We want to. But the honest truth is, yes, Adam and Eve are the ones in Genesis 3. They're the characters that we highlight with the first sin, eating of the apple. But the truth is, every single one of us have eaten of the apple. Every single one of us have taken that bite. When there's only one job for us to do, don't do this, right? Don't do this and it'll be fine. All of us in this room, watching online, outside these walls, have done that thing. We all have. And so what does that say? It says that we can't save ourselves either. If we could, then we wouldn't have done it. And so we put ourselves by eating of that apple, whatever that might look like in our own lives, in the same exact position as Adam and Eve. Disobeying, messing everything up, and needing Jesus. We all need him. We can't save ourselves. God knew it. And so in Genesis 3, he said, I got a Christmas story I'm going to tell. And I'm going to send my son. Born as a baby to save you because I love you. And I'm not about to crumple you up and throw you away. And again, I know there's some of us in here. I know it. That need to hear that tonight. You came here because it's Christmas Eve and you're expecting maybe a different story. (laughs) Maybe a different sermon. But this is what the Lord wants to say to you. He's not giving up on you. He loves you, and he sent Jesus for you because he knew you couldn't do it yourselves. So here's the thing, y'all. Stop trying. Stop trying and turn those things over to him. Give it to the God who is capable and who has already done it for us. We're not here to talk about the how, but about the why. He loves you. He loves you, and it's why he sent Jesus Ephesians 2, starting in verse 7, says this. Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in the world and the next, to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Check this out. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Our salvation is God's idea. It was his idea. In that moment of the very first sin, it was God's idea to save us. And praise God for that. He had a plan. 
who was to send Jesus, his son, like Ben said earlier, the gift of his son into this messed up world. Imagine for a second, wherever you live, wherever you're from, maybe you came in town traveling, whatever. Maybe you're here in Jacksonville. But just consider for a second the most dangerous part of whatever city or town you live in. And then imagine having a baby and giving that baby over to adoption to two very young teenagers who have never raised a baby before, who have hardly any money, nothing to their name, saying, here, I want you to raise them in this dangerous area. And then imagine also for a second that as soon as your baby goes to that place under the care of these two young people, there are very powerful people in that town or in that city, in that area, who want to kill him. And as you hand the baby over, you know already how it's going to end. You know the rejection that he's going to face. You know the humiliation he's going to face. You know that he's, and as hard as he tries to win people over, they're going to spit in his face. They're going to lie about him. And he's going to go from town to town just trying to save people, trying to love people. And they just reject him. And you being the parent saying, knowing all that, and knowing how it's going to end, say, I'm sending you anyway. Because I'm not giving up on my creation. I'm not crumbling them up and throwing them away. I'm giving the gift of my son, my son so that some will believe and be saved. Tomorrow morning, it's Christmas morning. I love Christmas morning. I geek out over it. I love Christmas day. I love the whole day, but the morning with Jesse and our girls, that's my favorite. That 30 minutes might be. I mean, we try to stretch it out, but it really is probably about 30 minutes of a tornado. It feels like 30 seconds. If I could stretch that bit of time out for the whole year, I would because it's the best. I want to tell y'all something. Heaven is Christmas morning, but it doesn't last 30 minutes. It lasts forever. It lasts forever. And that is what God is offering us through the birth of his son. Not, you messed up. I'm going to point at you. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to ridicule you. And I'm going to tell you, you better figure it out. You better figure out how to fix this. No. And the moment sin enters, he says, I have a plan to save you. And it's not your son. It's mine that I'm giving up. Our Christmas series this month, this Advent, se Advent season has been Come and See. And we use it, you know, from the song that we sang earlier. But really it's because that's the gospel. That's Jesus' invitation to us. Come and see. Come and see. This gift that you've been given. Come and experience me. And it comes out of one of my all-time favorite verses. If you go to the, the chapel for any amount of time, you're going to hear me say it a lot. You probably already have. But it's out of Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. When out of Jesus' mouth, he says, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Come to me. That's the ask. Come to me. Not get everything together, figure out your life a little bit, memorize a couple verses, make sure to tithe in the back, wear the right outfit to church, whatever it might be, stop cussing so much, stop doing, no, no, no. Just come to me. Come to me. Come and see how much I love you. Come and see what I've done for you. Come experience my love. That's the invitation. Our only responsibility in it is accepting the invitation. Saying, okay. So here we are on Christmas Eve, celebrating the birth of Jesus. Not talking about the how, but the why. And the why is he loves you. He loves you so much. And he does not care how you got here, but that you're hearing these words now. And if you are sitting in this room, if you're watching online, and you found yourself in a place where you need a savior, you've been trying and trying and trying, and it ain't working out. It's because it was never yours to do anyway. That's Jesus' job. And he wants you so badly to come and see and experience his love for you. So as we close this afternoon, why don't we stand up? And if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, this is your moment. This is your time. The Bible says if we believe in our hearts and we profess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. Romans 5 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, not after we got our act together, while we were still sinners, while things were still jacked up, while we were still a mess. He died for you. Are you listening to me? He loves you. And you cannot outrun his reach. He loves you. Come and see what he has for you. I'm going to pray, and what I'd like to do is just to have you repeat after me. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you love him, Give God the best gift you can give and just profess that with me. Repeat it with me loudly in love. And if this is your first time, praise God. Know that the heavens are rejoicing as you pray this prayer. They are rejoicing. You think we have fun on Christmas Eve? Woo, what are the heavens like when salvation starts coming in on that ticker? Thank you, Jesus. So let me pray first and I'm going to have you repeat after me. Father, thank you so much for tonight and for this, just this group of people that we can all sit under your truth, that you had a plan from the word go to save us, that it was never ours, it was never our responsibility, it was never ours to do, that God, out of your love for us, as you poured out your grace and your mercy through Jesus on us, when sin entered the room, you said, I have a plan. Here begins the Christmas story. And for Jesus, thank you so much for your heart to humble yourself to be born a baby in the lowliest of ways. There was no parade. There was no grand entrance. It was in a manger outside of town. But here we are, thousands of years later, still celebrating that miracle. God, for those that are here with us tonight, those watching online that 
don't know you, I pray, God, that they would be released of feeling like they got to be their own Savior. They would hear right now that you're not about to crumble them up and throw them away, but that you want to wrap them up in your arms and love them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you would, just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you lived, that you died, and that you rose again for me. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my heart, to be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name we pray.